I was thinking today, something that you could do with your worship whiteboard and what I'm going to do with mine is I'm going to count how many times Andrew says faith in his message today. So let's, anybody want to join in with me and we will see, I don't know if he's got his sermon notes written down, but we will have to see if we get the right answer at the end and see how much Andrew talks about faith. Blossom, it's time for you to go back into your bag and we will carry on worshipping together. You can go to the Thanksgiving board or over here or back, grab a worship whiteboard. Thank you for helping me today. In you go, have your apple in there. Well, thank you, Holly. So if I just say faith, 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 that's a few times. Just to start off with, so your hands get used to it. Seven already. Thanks, Bruce. Okay. Well, we've been, start, we've been thinking a bit about the cross and about what it means and what this... And so we're going to keep thinking about the cross because uh, we're continuing today a series of sermons we started back at Easter. We're looking at the meaning of the cross of Jesus. And as we've just discussed, the cross is a very prominent symbol uh, in our church and in our faith. And, it's, and the cross is something that many people have very deep feelings about. And there's many different ways of understanding what the cross actually means. So I think it's good for us to regularly ask ourselves, why is the cross important? And why is it the cross at the centre of the Christian faith? What does it mean for us? Uh, as we've gone across the year, we've looked at some of the more difficult books in the Bible here at St. Mark's this year, things that um, get into the deeper and parts of our life and the struggle that we have with God and with others. Um, and we've seen, hopefully through those, that the cross of Jesus actually speaks into those difficult issues that are raised and how God intends to work healing and transformation in difficult places. And so the cross is a very powerful symbol and it's worth getting to know better. So... At Easter, we discussed a bit about what did the cross mean in the teaching of Jesus himself and how Jesus described what the cross meant to him in the Gospel of Mark. And we saw there that Jesus put forward to his disciples this idea of what we might call the way of the cross. So the way of the cross is a way of living in the world that Jesus put forward to his disciples that accepts that as we follow God, some kind of suffering is actually inevitable uh, it, the way of the cross is a way of service, a way of sacrifice that God calls his people to follow. But it's also a way that sees that suffering can be redeemed uh, by being offered to God and experiencing God's presence in the midst of it. So, uh, Charles, I think we're at the next slide now, just to remind us of the way of the cross. So, and Jesus followed this way himself, of course, all the way to the cross of an offering of life, his life to God. And we also reflected at Easter on how the cross was really the place where Jesus' obedience to God the Father was seen most clearly. And so and through his obedience, he was saying yes to the cross. I'm going to go. Um, and we saw that in that saying yes to God, his nature as a human being was brought into line with the will of God the Father. And he empowers us to do the same. And the cross is, of course, the place we think particularly on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, where Jesus confronted evil, sin and death in the most explicit and powerful way that we can possibly imagine. And so those are some of the things that the cross meant to Jesus as he moved towards it uh, in the story of his life and ministry. In the next few weeks during the holidays, we want to think about the cross from a different perspective. So about the meaning of the cross that we can see developing after it happened, after Jesus had died and after he'd risen from the dead. And that was the perspective that the apostles of Jesus had as they went out into the world to share the good news. 
And we can read in their letters in the New Testament how they began to understand and tell each other about the significance for us of what Jesus achieved on the cross. And the theme of those writings, I think, is on the various ways that the cross of Jesus can be called a victory, a victory of the cross. So in the next couple of weeks before term four, we can see a few ways that they describe the victory of the cross and what that means for us. So our first stop on that journey is one of the letters of Paul, the letter to the Romans, and we read today from chapter five. Now, if you've read through the letter to the Romans, you know it's quite a dense letter, and Paul talks in a lot of depth in that letter about the meaning of God's story, of his, the story of God's people, the people of Israel, and throughout their history how God's been working with them, um, and how Jesus completes that story and fulfills it. And I think we need to get a bit of a grip on something of that, of the story of Romans and the whole picture of it, to understand what uh, Paul is saying here about what Jesus did on the cross. So just take us through that a bit. So as I read Romans again in the last few weeks, it seemed to me in essence to be describing our journey towards God as human beings made by him. And the big question Paul asks in this letter is how we get as human beings from where we have been to where God intends us to be. So where we have been, as Paul sees it, where we start and as we look at this story, is from the position of being very far away from knowing God and experiencing his presence in our lives. We find ourselves, Paul says, in the reality that all of us are actually a very long way from knowing God. But the hope that we see in God's intention is that we should journey towards him with his help. And so the question Paul asks is, how do we as the human race get from being far away from God, alienated from him, um, even being his enemies, to being close again? and to being enfolded in God's plans and purposes for our lives. So I just want to illustrate what I think Paul is saying, looking particularly in the first couple of chapters, um, by using a metaphor of, again, us being on a journey. So just imagine you're getting in a car, you're driving somewhere, and it's somewhere that you've never been. And so you've decided that you might use your GPS navigation device. Maybe you're interstate or you're overseas and you want to do that. Now, if you've done this, you know it's a bit of a dicey enterprise. You you might not end up where you think you're going to go. GPS doesn't always work. In the early chapters of uh, Romans, Paul, I think, describes humanity as though we're people setting off on this journey towards God and hoping to arrive safely in this car that we've got into. All of us are going, some of us are going separate cars, but we're all sort of trying to head the same way. But we've all run eventually into a problem and in that there is a universal failure among human beings in our navigation as we head towards God. So Paul looks around and sees that for the majority of people, so the people in the nations of the world around him, those called the Gentiles, uh, outside of Israel. It's like they've had this GPS, but it's stopped working. You know, it's the power's gone out or there's been a software crash or something. And so the people of the world around him, he sees, have kind of lost their way on their journey towards God and ended up even further away from God than they were when they started. So they've ended up worshipping and serving false gods. They've ended up in the wrong place and they've ended up living in a way that's unhealthy and not the way that God intended So they've gone so far off track on this journey that they will never find their way back on their own, even though they may keep searching. So that's the problem that the Gentiles have. But for the Jewish people, Paul says, it's sort of a different story, but it's it's equally sad and equally tragic. Uh, Because this nation has had a revelation from God about his nature and his purposes for them and how they should live. They have a law, they know what they should be doing, and they know what God is like. In a sense, they have a functioning GPS. There's a map that should lead them to where they are supposed to be going. 
But the problem is that they, over their history, have not followed the map that they were given properly. Instead, they've kind of got fascinated with all the interesting points of interest that come up on the way, or they've got obsessed with finding the optimal route, you know, and making, deciding whether they should go with tolls or not with tolls. It's always an interesting conversation. Um, arguing amongst each other how to get, to the, get there the most quickly and taking detours and twists and turns anyway, apart from the way they should. Um, and they think they know better than the map that God's given them. Or they were so obsessed with this map he gave them, the law, that they didn't ever even start the car. They were just admiring how wonderful their map was. Um, so the end result, Paul says, is that never, they will never make it either, just like the Gentiles, because they've lost their way too. And so the harder they try, the further they end up from knowing God and being reconciled with him as they need to be. And so the universal human condition, Paul says, therefore, is we're being, we are lost and we are in need of a saviour. And be, this is because of our failures and the obstacles in our hearts and the problems of sin and death. As Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to 23, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we've all failed and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, there must be another way then if this God's plan is to happen. And so the rest of Romans then is Paul laying out the way that God has chosen to bring people, all people, Jew and Gentile, back to him. And we can see here that there are two problems that need to be confronted for that to happen. And so the first is the problem of sin and this problem of unrighteousness or um, yeah, injustice that plagues us all. You know, so we, we all, Paul looks around and sees, as we do, that everyone among us has an accumulated weight of mistakes, moral failures and blemishes that will make us unacceptable in the judgment that God will bring. And we will not find, when we get, if we ever get there, that we are as we should be. And so this is a problem that is kind of objective. You know, anyone can see who has eyes to see at the, looking at the reality of the world in which we live. All have sinned. Uh, the second problem that he talks about is a bit more subjective. It talks about the separation we have from the glory of God. So this is sort of something to do with what we are like inside. Um, like being empty, unsatisfied, like people who don't have the light that we need to see where we're going. We were made, Paul would say, to have a spiritual life that God gives us to fill us, his glory. But we don't have that. We've lost it. And to a lesser or greater extent, we don't show his glory in the world. And so there are these two problems, the inner problem and the outer problem. For all have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. So this is just the way things are, Paul says, and we've seen over history there's nothing that human beings can do about that, no matter how hard we try. In fact, trying hard to be righteous and to grab the glory of God will only make the problem worse, as what Paul sees when he looks at his own people's history, because it can make us proud and it makes us cruel to others who we don't think are as good as we are. And so we all fall short of experiencing the glory of God in the way that we're made, and there's no way for us to achieve that. So the, sub, the sum of it is we are lost, and we're never going to get where we're going to go, where we want to go. And this is where then where Jesus comes in, into Paul's story, in this passage from Romans 5 that we read. Because Paul says Jesus and his life, his death on the cross and his resurrection are the answer to these problems. So Paul says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sorry, I forgot to put that slide in. But Romans 5, you can read it again. So Paul looks back over the story of his nation and he sees as well that um, the story of the gospel of Jesus going to the cross is part of that story of God's people. And he now understands more deeply what Jesus was doing when he looks at this whole story. So Jesus took up the way of the cross, as we've heard. He embraced the suffering of, uh, upon himself. He was obedient to God. He sacrificed his life. And in doing so, he identified himself with all of us in our predicament, the whole human race and our failure and sin, and then came out on the other side. So how does that help us? Well, because if he's identified with us, then we can also participate in what he's done. And this is what uh, he's saying in Romans 6, verse 8 here. If we've been united with Jesus in a death... Oh, sorry, I can just go back, sorry. Yeah, I missed a slide. Yeah, thanks. So he says, if we've been united with him in his death, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And in chapter, verse 8 of chapter 6, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So Paul is saying we're on this journey and we've gotten lost, but Jesus is like this perfect navigator who pulls up beside us and says, let me get in get into the car and show us exactly the way that we are to go. And he doesn't need a map because he's already been on this journey. He has gone through death. He has arrived at a new life with God. And so anyone who travels with him will get there as well, free from sin and ready to experience the glory of God in their life. So Jesus has dealt with the problem of sin and our alienation with God, from God on our behalf. And the important thing, and we talked, about, we talked about faith, and the important thing is we don't have to work hard then for this to happen for us. We just have to trust him to have faith in what he's done. And that's why Paul rejoices in the reading we had from Romans 5 about what it's like to experience faith in Jesus. It's not a trial, it's a blessing. Um, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the question is, Paul asks, how do we overcome the problem of sin? How do we overcome our separation from God? Well, we do that through faith in Jesus and his death on the cross. To be justified by faith, which, as the, as the children's Bible we read, puts it really well, to be made right with God. Um, and the way that Paul describes that is that faith, to be justified by faith, is to have a basic hopeful trust in God's promises and his goodness, the way that Abraham did, and we saw that in what Holly was saying. Paul says, Abraham had this kind of faith that is necessary when he believed that God would bless the world through him. At that point, Abraham hadn't actually done anything for God when he looked up at the stars, but because he trusted in God and had faith in him, God kind of credited to him the benefits of everything that he was going to do, including the sacrifice and death of Jesus on the cross. And that came into Abraham's life then. And what this means for us is that in all, we, we, know, we need to know that in order to be right with God, it's not about us working hard or obeying the law or being really, really good people, if you want to be right. Um, it certainly doesn't hurt to do those things. Um, but what God really seeks, Paul says, is actually our personal trust in him, our faith. It's that that makes us right. It's not anything that you do that makes you right with God. And so when we do have faith, this means then that our inner problem, our separation from the presence of glory and the glory of God can also be overcome, as Paul says here, 
we will be filled with the Holy Spirit in our hearts that has been poured out. Because Jesus was too. He was completely full of the Spirit of God, of God the Father. And so if we follow him, if we travel with him, identify with him, we will have what he had. Anyone who follows Jesus becomes open to the Holy Spirit to, to, to enter their hearts. And so all this together, it's, I know it's a lot. It's a big, complex message, and that's what Paul's like. Um, but he's talking about this idea that the cross, which actually looks to us to be something about death, is actually a gateway to life, a completely full life. Because if we die with Jesus, as he said, we will live with him. If we die with him, we live with him. We go where he goes and we experience what he experiences. And so finally in the big picture, this power of the cross resolves the problem that Romans is talking about, our separation from God and our journey towards him. Because the truth is, and I think if we admit it, all of us are a long way from God and we can all see that. Not geographically, of course, not in physical distance, but relationally, we're a long way from God. We don't know God the way we want to. Experientially, we don't experience God the way we want this continual presence of God's glory in our love and our lives flowing out of us. We're a long way from that. And so Paul says the cross has come to solve this problem. And in Romans 5, this is the first and the final point that he makes about the meaning of the cross. He says that on the cross, Jesus was reconciling human beings with God by doing away with everything that separates us from him. Therefore, he says in verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 11, he repeats this idea. We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have received reconciliation. We have peace with God, reconciliation through him. So today, I just want to think, what is the victory of the cross? What did it achieve? Well, this is one facet of it that Paul talks about today. In this chapter, we see that the cross of Jesus is the means for us to overcome our failure, our sin, and our separation from God and to return to him, to find our way. And that applies to everyone, Paul says, no matter what, who we are and no matter what we've done. Because it's not about what we do, it is about faith. So this comes to us today, it might come to you in a different way depending on what's, where you're at. But if you're feeling stuck you know, in your, in your life, unworthy of God's love and attention, or perhaps powerless to do the things that you know you should be doing, or if God seems a long way away, if we're tired of trying to do the right thing and failing, if we feel lost, and if we are lost, in that case we read today that the cross is an objective demonstration that in that experience God is for us, his love is for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God makes us right through Jesus and through his cross. If we die with him, that means to say, I trust, I have faith, we will live with him. So the cross is the door to this new life that God's offering, and faith is the key that will open that door. And so then, once we do that, we'll be on this journey deeper and deeper into the experience of the presence and the glory of God and to be at peace with God the Father, to be reconciled to him completely and totally. We'll arrive at our destination. And we're all still on the way. Our journey still needs to be travelled and we know it takes a long time to get where we're going. But uh, Paul says, 
We know because he died for us that Jesus travels with us and he knows the way to get there. In fact, Jesus is the way. So I encourage you today, wherever you are, however you are, to return to him in faith and to put your trust in what he has done for you because there is victory for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to pray about that now as we reflect on it this morning. Lord Jesus, all of us are at various places on the way. We know that at times, and for a lot of us, most of the time, we feel very far from you and we don't know where we're going. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would show us the way, that your love would pour into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your cross. We thank you for the assurance this gives of your love towards us and that if we have faith in you, our sins will be washed away. And I pray that everyone here today would understand and know that in their own lives. And so I pray this all in your name. Amen.